0: A lot of people, when they start studying human design, feel an intense sense of permission to be themselves, the deep down themselves that they have always known was there, but have been covered up by lived experiences.
1: This is Nikki Brathman. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition, with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, a storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to The New Paradigm. Welcome back to Broken Wired. I'm your host, Xenia, and this week we're talking about human design. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend and collaborator, Nikki Brathman, who is a human design reader, business coach, and mom. In her work, she uses her intuitive gifts and the modality of human design to hold a mirror and show you your brilliance. I personally had a session with Nikki, and I share my takeaways in this episode. And this brilliant system has previously been discussed on Woken Wired. You can go back to episode 64 with Erin Claire Jones. And back then, when we recorded that episode, I had an intuitive hit to come up with an offering, A guide for anyone who is called to this system and is called to explore your own unique design further to apply it to social media. And this is it. It's happening. Nikki and I are coming together to lead a live workshop where we will share where human design and conscious social media method come together to help you create online presence and ease and clarity around it that actually aligns with how you most productively, effectively work in the world. So we give you a glimpse into all of that in the episode. Good news, if you're listening to this past August 17th, 2020, which is when the workshop is happening, it's a Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, the recording will be available so you can purchase the workshop even after it's done. To get it, just head to WokenWire.com slash design. And all the information will be there. Just so you know, for the first few days, the cart opens today. And for the first few days, we are offering early bird. So it's $35 instead of $55 for the 75-minute interactive workshop with a Q&A. So if this speaks to you, if you enjoy this episode, then make sure you hop on early. If you've been called to learn more about human design, how it applies to you as an entrepreneur, how it applies to how you express yourself online, and build your business, This episode is your sign. We will cover each human design energy type briefly at around minute 35 of the show. So if you want to get to the specifics and come back to them, you can skip over through there. But this whole episode is packed with so much information, inspiration. And besides human design, we also talk about Nikki's personal behind-the-scenes journey from being a startup executive for 10 years to becoming a human design reader and really niching down and what impact, powerful, positive impact that has had on her business, the kind of clients it has brought in, and the kind of changes that she has seen happen in her clients' businesses and lives once they apply the tool of human design. If you don't yet know your human design, all you need to find it out is knowing your birthplace and birth time. You can head over to nikibrofman.com slash chart. I'm going to link to it in the show notes so that when you're listening to this episode, you can listen through the prism of what your design is. All right, here's Nikki Brathman. All right, Nikki, welcome to Woken Wired. I'm so stoked to talk about human design and intuition And conscious social media and how human design plays into social media. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be here. So, you did a reading for me a couple of months ago, and I've had some readings done here and there, but this one was just so profound. I remember just leaving that meeting feeling like I had a whole new level of understanding of how I can function as an entrepreneur, as a creative, because I'll get specific here. I know you guys want to hear the specifics, so let's go. So the thing that I'm specifically pointing to, and Nikki, perhaps you can give us some human design commentary and put it into better words, but my takeaway was that it's not that I'm not cut for outsourcing and delegating and being a manager of people because it's not my favorite thing to do, but it's all about being honest in my communication. And the honest communication would be that sometimes I won't respond to people who work with me for a week or two because I'm taken in the flow of other ideas and I'm just following what feels alive, aligned, and resonant for me in the moment. And it's important for me to function that way, but it doesn't mean that all my other projects aren't important anymore and that what people who are working with me are doing is not relevant. It's just that my design is to follow those things that feel present in the moment versus being more like a generator, we'll get into that, who just does what needs to be done. That was probably like a butchering summarization of a generator, but that was my takeaway. That's really allowed me to take some steps in hiring help and seeing a brand new possibility and growing my impact by having people help me. Yeah. And that's so important. Xenia, you're a manifester, right? So- What happens
0: with manifestors, their strategy is to inform. And so whether you're informing someone that like, hey, I have an untraditional style of working and I'm not going to get back to you right away, or you're informing someone that you specifically, specifically need help on this very immediate thing, whatever it is, it's in. you have to kind of let go of the cultural consciousness of what it means to be a manager or effective, especially as you run your own business and honor exactly what it is that you need and then inform, right? All of your work, all of your energy, your energetic signature is to initiate, 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 and then sort of back away. You work ideally in these amazingly intense bursts, and then you require a lot of rest. So if you imagine a traditional manager scenario where you're asking people to do something, and they're kind of coming back, and there's a back and forth, but you're trying to operate in your energy and you know do your intense burst and then rest... That probably won't work out very well. There's probably a lot of friction there. So when you inform the person who's working with you that, Hey, like, I'm probably going to do the, you know, this intense burst of work. Can you join me, you know, in this almost ceremony of work as I, as I work in this crazy burst? And then can you help me by taking it from there as I go rest? And it's kind of a kooky concept in, in our like traditional business lives. But as we think about, Bringing human design into entrepreneurship, into our businesses, it's so necessary to operate inside of that, those sort of energetic strengths and honor the times when we don't have energy as much as we honor the amazing energy that we do have.
1: So, you're a manifester as well. So, do all of these things apply to you and all other manifestors? Some of them, yes. So, I am a manifester. The initiation
0: and the informing is all manifestors. That is our strategy is to initiate and, and our energetic signature really is to work in those big bursts and take a lot of rest. Personally, I felt like before really understanding human design, I was living my life masquerading as a generator, a manifesting generator. I was working in bursts, but I was never resting. I was just doing burst after burst after burst after burst burst, and I was burnt out and I was sick and I just wasn't feeling fulfilled at all because I was just running project after project. I even kind of my personal value with how efficient I was um, and how I didn't need rest and you know I was the fastest in the organizations I was in and I was I could do things in a way that other people couldn't um, which is part of my manifester nature but to refill that <laughs> cup and to be able to refill that energy you need the rest which is why I was always so burnt out. what is a little bit different I think, for you as a manifester than for me as a manifester is we have very different profiles. So our profile is the role we're meant to play and sort of the style by which we move through life. And so yours um, is a one three, which hangs out at the bottom of the hexagram and it's super esoteric inside sort of self-sufficient and you will take those bursts of energy to do work probably alone to kind of sit in ceremony alone and work alone, which can make working with others and managing other people a little more difficult. Whereas I have what's called the four, six line, which is the top part of the hexagram and is more of transpersonal. And so for me, I'm re- my, I get my energy from being around people. I, um, like I feed off my community's energy. And so I need sort of that transpersonal experience in order to get stuff done. So collaborations work really well for me. So, you know, there's slight differences. Of course, everybody's chart is different. And our energy type is only sort of the tip of the iceberg when we examine what our design looks like.
1: Right. And for me, collaborations work really well, as I discovered recently by partnering with Erin Ebert to launch a cacao course. I was just blown away how synergistic. Erin is a generator, and she's also into human design. And I'm a manifester. And so I would initiate. And then she's also in a different time zone. So I would initiate, put an idea down on a Google doc and I would wake up and all these notes are in the doc Mm. and we would kind of switch roles and pick up each other's thoughts. And it just was so synchronistic and synergistic and it was just like the sense of flow. So I think for anyone listening, even if you're not in the position yet to hire someone like an assistant or, you know, a coach perhaps collaboration could be a way to expand your offerings, expand your footprint and really get your work out there because you don't have to do it all alone. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And it doesn't matter, you know, whether whatever your energy type is, collaborations are so beautiful because we all have kind of some kind of openness in our charts. And what happens when we work with other people or we spend time with other people is that there's a a sort of quantum effect in our our charts almost layer on top of each other, giving us more strength. When there's resonance between two people, we become stronger than the sum of our parts. Some people are not going to completely be resonant with us, whether that's because their charts have similarities with us or hyper differences or because of our lived experiences. But when there is resonance, it can be extremely, extremely powerful. Mm. Did you have your cacao this morning? I wish I did. I sat here, I was sitting here and I was. I had a kind of nutty morning and I was like, I really should have had my cacao this morning. This would have been really great, but I'm feeling the energy of the cacao. I had Mm
1: -hmm. some yesterday. Yeah, I. It's funny. I go through these waves. Uh, What we're talking about is ceremonial cacao, and you can listen to episodes 14 and 101 to catch up on what we're talking about. And it's funny. I go in, in waves. You know, right now in the past few weeks, I just can't drink cacao. I think. It's in my body as much as it needs to be. I can't eat chocolate, even, which is shocking for me. And my body just required this break. And I know that when I'm meant to come back to it, I will. And when I'm in it, I drink it sometimes two, three times a day. But it's this gentle honoring. You know, what does your body need? You know, yesterday I woke up and I knew that all I could eat for breakfast, I'm done with the bars, I'm done with the coffee. All I can eat this morning is a bone broth soup. So I'm going to go. I'm in New York city, so I'm going to go and buy it. And it was the most nourishing thing. So honoring what our bodies need versus following, you know, what's out there. And I think human design is very much in the same vein. It just helps us see this kind of system structure blueprint that we are built as, and then we can see what works and what doesn't work. So can you talk more about what human design exactly is?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you put it, you framed it as this kind of understanding and an experiment, because I think when it comes to any modality that you are practicing or you're learning about, it's all about experimenting with what feels good. None of these modalities are made for us to feel bad about ourselves or to feel constricted or, or defined in a specific way that doesn't feel good for us. So I really like to encourage my clients to take what feels really, really good and leave the rest, which is kind of seemingly feels like a gratuitous thing to do, but it's really important. Some things will resonate with you right away and some things will take years to resonate. And so this great experimentation of living in your design is an ongoing practice and process. I remember when I first started studying human design, I would like block out my calendar for these major times where I said, okay, I'm really going to understand it today. And obviously, I, I couldn't because it's so infinite and it re- relies on living your current experience and digging through past experiences to understand really what is and what was going on. So, human design is a quantum system. So, it brings ancient modalities like astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Kabbalah, and the Hindu Brahman chakra system, and then it layers in newer sciences like biochemistry, genetics, quantum mechanics, and astronomy. And so it brings all of that into this kind of crazy-looking body graph. If you've downloaded your chart already, you probably know that there is a lot of lines and shapes and colors and numbers and words that you think you probably know the traditional definition to, but feel like they mean something different in the context of this modality. And they do. And we call human design the science of differentiation. And what's amazing about this is it really allows you to examine the foundation of what makes you unique. So a lot of people, when they start studying human design, feel an intense sense of permission to be themselves, the deep down themselves that they knew, have always known was there, but have been covered up by lived experiences. And what's important to realize and honor and remember is that as a global community, it's very, very difficult to manage and educate and feed and just support seven and a half billion people in the universe. Um, so what, what the world has done is has deeply homogenized the human experience so that we are all kind of similar and sane. And the process of human design and studying is undoing that um, and trying to kind of honor the uniqueness that lives in you, whether it's from the way you work and the bursts of energy or how your energy kind of flows through you, whether that's your decision-making property or your role or your strengths or your weaknesses or the way you eat, which human design actually has a bunch to say about, or the way that your environment, all of those things are sort of part of this major, large system. But the goal is to de ourselves, is to kind of look at our entire experience and understand that whether it was well-meaning or nefarious, we were completely conditioned. And I know, Xenia, you also do some work like me with hypnotherapy. And in hypnotherapy, what we do is we try to kind of undo the subconscious linkages that are keeping us maybe playing small or keeping us in particular loops of activity and behaviors they were all formulated from the ages of zero to 14. So because our subconscious forms at those ages, we're basically acting out experiences that happened then. And so I found that human design is an amazing tool for identifying, okay, what are these, what's the code that I'm looking to break? What is the, what are the subconscious limiting beliefs that I have? And just gives you sort of this treasure map of, of being able to figure it out and then untangle all of that
1: mess. Mm, when you said the code I'm looking to break made me think of Indiana Jones and like <laughs> seeking treasures and hopping in.
0: That's what we're doing. We're doing that
1: like inside our souls and in ourselves and as these crazy beings. So before I ask the actually serious question, well, not that this is not serious, but can you talk a little more about human design and food? Because this is the first time I hear about it. I feel like there's a breakfast criminals slash human design for business collaboration.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there is, uh, it's definitely an advanced part of human design. It's not talked about a ton because the recommendation is that people are living in their design for a certain amount of time before they sort of enter into this particular practice. But it's found in your advanced chart, which I usually use with my clients, And it's called the P it's called PHS. It's called primary health system. And it's called your internal determination. And so some people are made to, you know, eat in bright light. Some people are meant to move when they eat. Some people are meant to eat hot things. And some people are only meant to eat cold things. Some people are meant to eat when there's a calm environment, some more of a chaotic environment. Some people are only meant to eat one food at a time. Some people are meant to eat a mix of all these foods. There's 12 different determinations, but what can be a little overwhelming, let's say if you jumped into determination way before you jumped into any of human design, is that like a lot of human design, there's a lot of specific language. So for example, my determination is called indirect determination, and it means that I eat best in the dark. So when I first read that, and I've been studying my design for a long time, I was like, does this mean I only eat at night? Like, I don't understand. I'm in the middle of summer. Like, I'm not supposed to eat at all during the day. What's going on here? And I think for some people, they can really latch on to the literal words and it can be really disruptive and and not good. So what happens is we're able to sort of in the advanced practice, break this down a little bit and say that, okay, it might not be about eating at night, but it might be that eating heavy meals in direct sunlight isn't best for sort of the
1: it's so specific it's crazy
0: yeah, it's crazy specific um but it could be like not good for you know all food has dna we have dna and the way that it flows through our body and they interact might just not work in direct sunlight right those types of things if you think about i think a lot about when it comes to the primary health system about plants in nature and not all plants need the same amount of water not all plants need the same amount of food or sunlight so we all need different things and we ourselves are kind of similar organisms
1: Wow. So to your description of human design, first of all, it sounds like human design is kind of like an Akashic Records. sounds like when you understand how to read it, it has answers to literally everything. It really does. I think it it, it has answers to a lot, and it has
0: the ability to reframe a lot. So for a lot of people, when they work with human design coaches versus someone like me versus just doing it on their own, able to have their experiences reframed. And so that's kind of one of my big programs. It's called embodiment. And it's a six-week program. And what we do there is embody a day-to-day life experience in you kind of reframe it in the form of human design and see what's there for you. And it's really it's nice to have someone kind of holding your hand as you understand what is it to be a manifester? What does it mean to have emotional authority? What does it mean to have certain arrows pointing certain ways and having certain defined gates and channels? And what is that? How do I really divide that up between what's innate in me and my energetic signature and what's my lived experience that I either want to let go of or hold on to?
1: So, the way you described human design, it sounds like it is this treasure of spiritual, metaphysical, quantum information and codes that was intentionally presented in a more structured way so that even people who don't consider themselves spiritual are open to it so this can reach corporate worlds so this can really reach everyone. Did I get that right? Absolutely. And look, it still is a little strange to walk into a corporate environment and ask
0: people for their birth date, birth time and birth location. Don't get me wrong, but the lessons from it are absolutely applicable uh, to you know, all business environments, whether that's corporate or startup or entrepreneurial, there's so many different ways that we can look at our design, how we're supposed to show up on social media, which is what you and I are really diving into now, or how we're supposed to market ourselves or sell our products, or even work together as teams of two people or 2000
1: people. So how did human design come into your life? And what was it about it that made you make that front and center of your offerings? So
0: initially, I'd heard of human design because I'm just into personality models and love astrology, and I was really turned off by it the first time I saw it. I was like, this is weird, and I need to back burner this. And then um, I spent about 10 years in as a startup executive, was super burnout out because of my aforementioned trying to masquerade myself as a manifesting generator or a generator when I really was a manifester. And once I was finally burned out of those 10 years, I opened my own practice as a business coach and consultant. And one of my clients said, asked me one day, have you heard of human design? I was like, yeah, but I don't know a ton. And she said, I want to be a human design reader for parents to help honor their children's designs so they have less conditioning when they're older. And I was like, wait, wait, this is fascinating. And I think at the time I was very newly pregnant. And so I was even more fascinated with this. And I was like, let me pick this back up. And I bought the books and I started this process of self-study that was super, super intense and really tried to get my hands on every piece of information that I could get. And then what happened was I started sort of backdooring it into my work as a coach, as a business coach. And so people who I thought might be more spiritually or woo inclined, I brought it into the conversations with them. And then it became obvious that people were so interested in about this. I actually created a second business called Human Design for Business, where I did readings on that side and continued my business coaching and consulting work on the other side. And what happened for me was I had a ton of fear about worrying about what other people were thinking. And I had been brought up in this sort of startup exec world And I finished my MBA at a really young age. I finished my MBA by 24 years old. And through my early career, I I felt like I had so much to prove. I was almost always the youngest person in the room, often the only woman in the room. And the idea of kind of coming out as a spiritual leader was really scary for me. And then I had someone tell me like, look, Nick, like they're not going to take away your MBA if you come out and do this thing, right? It doesn't diminish your business acumen or your business knowledge or your abilities to come forward and be spiritual. And I've always had the spiritual side. I've been a yoga and meditation teacher for over 10 years, and I could never reconcile those personas. What became really tricky was when I became a mother and reconciling a third persona until it kind of just blew everything up. (laughs) And so what happened then was I feel like I had sort of like a spiritual coming out. And it was a funny moment for me because I was like, very worried about everything that everybody would think from my parents to my colleagues, to my friends, even the people who were very supportive. And I kind of had this moment where I was like, okay, everybody, like this is me. And nobody cared. N- not that they didn't, weren't supportive. They were excited for me, but nobody had, I had no negative backlash that I experienced or thought I would experience, which is just so funny. And a reminder that people want you to succeed people want you to do well and they want you to honor yourself and Senia was actually in a in a deep conversation with you in your reading where you said like hey can we go over your offerings in human design and I was like yeah that'd be awesome you're like the queen of spiritual business i need this help and once we went over some kind of cool options i said oh that's so funny these really mirror my coaching and consulting offerings and you're like no no these are your offerings this is your only offering and that was such a aha moment for me and i have so much deep gratitude for you being part of this experience for me and and then it kind of rocket launched from there right everything when i decided to niche down into this amazing modality and using this as the forefront of my business and the forefront of my own spiritual practice it was it became my relationships with my clients became more impactful my relationships with my own work was extremely impactful. And it just kind of changed everything. I was someone who was really afraid of niches. I was someone who really didn't want to say, oh, I only work with female entrepreneurs because I loved my male clients. And I really didn't, you know, in the Renegade Brand Bootcamp where you and I met it was really about, okay, who do we serve? And I never had answers to that. So now when I have this highly specific modality and this highly specific niche, it's really opened my eyes to the idea that the people who I work with are, have been so magnetized to me because I've gone out
1: there and said, this is what I do. And this is how I do it. Talk to us about how you described what you do before you niche down and how you describe it now. And what's your vision for how you're going to build out the business? Yeah. So I start when I was, a you know,
0: as a business coach, I really focused on helping people and helping businesses minimize chaos, right? So I had A sort of working thesis that whenever you strayed from your mission or core values, you were creating chaos. Whether that was that you didn't even have a mission or you had like 25 core values, which I've seen in companies Mm -hmm. before. But when you hone in on your mission and then act from that mission, and every product that you develop, and every hire that you make, and every investor that you take comes from a place of that mission and core value you're minimizing chaos. So that's what I really helped people to do on the business side early on in my practice was minimizing chaos all the time. And then what I've seen as I kind of have gone through human design is that there are a lot of other places that chaos can come from <laughs> other than not following your mission and core values. Things like hiring people who who don't actually serve you as an individual things like making products that don't stand in the integrity of both your ability to build them or what the market is asking for. And so all of those things I've been able to kind of weave human design into and understand, you know, give executives. I recently did a reading for an executive who was the CEO of a half a billion dollar company and was able to also work with uh, their entire executive team to understand how do they work together best? How do they Weave the brand story and the aliveness of their own brand into who they are, who's best to support who in this role. And so we really sit there. I've also done doing a few readings for families to understand family dynamics in that way. And that's sort of a little offshoot. But where I see the business growing is really providing a place for other people to get curious and to build support systems for basically seven and a half billion unique souls and individuals. Right? I want to help rebuild the way that we work. I want to help rebuild the way that we hire, whether that means because we have basically infinite possibilities of who we can hire these days because of the the way that we work from home and the way we work online and match people with people who serve their designs more than matching people who have a resume that looks kind of neat. That, I think, is the trajectory of my business and really serving people from an educational level, teaching them what human design is, holding space for them to go through their metamorphosis.
1: So let's speak about human design on an individual level. You mentioned that when you first got into it, you got turned off. And I understand why, because when you go into one of these websites, Nikki, you have a chart a quick generator on your website too, right? What's the URL? Yes. It's nikkibathmancom forward slash chart. Okay, and I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well. And it's
0: worth mentioning that I don't see your chart from there, so it's not you know you're not sharing anything with me that's overly sensitive.
1: Good to know. So when people download their chart, and I've been there, you just look at it and you're thinking, "Whoa, what is this? (laughs) This is like you know complex geometry, which I was never good at, and it can be overwhelming, and you it can be really hard to understand." how to apply this to real life. So people like yourself are very important as these interpreters and translators of this wisdom because it's not, it doesn't have a simple interface. Yeah. It's a little, it's pretty complicated. And what I've, what
0: I've sought to do with my Instagram human design for business is make these like palatable bits of information for people when they first get started. So they see this fraction on their on their page that says you're a one three. Well, I want to give you some affirmations for being having that one in your chart. I want to give you some maybe journal prompts or some thoughts about it, maybe things that are topical and in current events. Uh, And that's sort of the goal of that page is to really be a place of education. And what's unbelievable to me um, from a metrics perspective is i get insane amount of saves on those posts i don't get a ton of likes i don't get a ton of comments and the comments are usually really like specific questions for for
1: for people and their specific designs but the saves are crazy high yeah to me that's much more important metric than comments and likes because that means there's a lot of value in it and people want to come back to it and keep referencing it so I would love to go over the five types of human design types. Did I yeah. say that right? Yeah, energy types, absolutely. Energy types in human design. And maybe I'll just open the floor and you tell me what feels aligned to share, but perhaps it's one thing about that design energy type in business and one thing in social media. And if you're listening to this and you're like, whoa, I need to know more, Nikki and I have this webinar coming up on August 17th, 2020. Good news is that even though it's going to be live the first time, we're going to record it and it's going to be available, you're going to be able to buy it afterwards. So all the links will be in the show notes. Let's just give everyone as much juice as possible now. And then there will be a lot more to discuss on the webinar. Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, let's dive in. So generators and their subtype manifesting generators make up about 70% of people in the world. And these people, for them, their gift is their work. So they come to us as skilled tradespeople, as people who have sort of a unique genius. And that work is work that needs to light them up. And for work that lights them up, they have this kind of unlimited fountain of energy for that. They should when they kind of put their head on the pillow, they should pass out having run out all of their energy. And then when they wake up in the morning, they should feel refreshed, ready to go and ready to kind of give the world that unique gift and that unique work all over again. The difference between generators and manifesting generators is that generally manifesting generators like their hands in a lot of different things. These are the people who we sometimes label as jacks of all trades. They're kind of Buzzing around, if you know, we, I like the kind of worker bee analogy, except for the fact that worker bees all do the same work and people and who are generators. and manifesting generators all do unique work. So with that caveat aside, sort of a generator bee would go kind of like one flower at a time, maybe in the same area, and they'd really be focused on a specific type. And then these manifesting generators are like buzzing around from like flower to flower to flower to flower with sort of this intense energy of a lot of different things. And so when it comes to social media for generators, I think it's really important to honor which platforms let you up and which don't. And I think when it comes to social media, we can be really overwhelmed by how many platforms there are and how, much information we can kind of give on a platform-to-platform basis. But for generators, honoring, okay, I love spending time on Instagram, I don't love spending time anywhere else, or I love spending time on TikTok and I don't want to spend any other time on anything else. And knowing that, you know, when you're working inside the energy of what lights you up, your energetic vibration is stronger. Um, you become more magnetic to the type of people who need your message. That's one thing for generators. As far as manifesting generators, I think that what happens on social media negatively to manifesting generators is that the world asks them to stay in their box and to stay in their swim lane. And really they just have so much varying degree of interest and so much to share. And so if you're a manifesting generator on social media, just Go for it, right? Share about everything from your dog to your hobbies, to your friends, to to something you studied when you were 14, <laughs> whatever it means for you. Don't let this idea of kind of almost having to niche too much, let you keep you from sharing the n- true nature of who you are, because the likelihood of someone seeing one of these sort of fringe things about you and really enjoying consuming that is really high. So then we have projectors. And projectors are about 20% of the population. These people are our guides, our wisdom keepers. Their way is to sort of sample the energy of everybody around them and then to sort of act accordingly. They really hold space for us to do a lot of their work. And a lot of times they can see things in us that we ourselves don't see. Many people in my role who, who study and teach human design are also projectors. Many people who are therapists or social workers or teachers of sorts, gurus, guides are projectors as well. doesn't mean that you have to be a projector to be one of those things, but they do very, very well in these roles. For projectors, they have this interesting strategy, which is that in order to engage with others, they're supposed to wait for an invitation from others before they kind of give their wisdom and, and shed that light on people. And that kind of energetic invitation opens these other people up for a deep kind of magnetism and deep understanding that the projectors are about to give. And so what's really important for projectors on social media is to make sure you're making yourself seen so that the people who would be really magnetic towards you, the people who want to give you this invitation to interact with you, see you, which means cultivating your authentic voice. It means that uh, deepening the quality of your conversation on social media. So, maybe going deeper, maybe being more vulnerable and showing people what it is that you can help them with and where your knowledge is. And then we have manifestors. So, that's Xenia, what you and I are. We represent about 9% of the population. And as I mentioned when we were talking about Xenia's design, we are informers. We sort of initiate and then back off. For manifestors, something that happens is often we become clouded by what we believe other people will think of us. And then we stop informing and we stop initiating because we're worried about how it will be received or how people will take it or what they'll say or what comments we'll get, potentially that those could be damaging. And so for manifestors, it's really important to do a lot of self work on not caring what other people will think. So starting when you, as a manifester, when you start to sort of tailor your message toward the way that you think other people will take it or the way that other people will think of you, you're creating this really toxic energetic environment where you're not informing and you're not initiating things. And so getting that out and explaining it and sort of pushing that into the social media world is really important. And to do so in an authentic way is even more important for manifestors. And then lastly, we have reflectors, and reflectors are super rare. They're about 1% of the population. They themselves do not have access to sort of consistent or reliable energy in any points of their body. So they feed off the energy of others. They are our mirrors. And so they're these sort of human mirrors that if they're sick or unwell or upset or frustrated, you can understand that that's sort of the energy of their environment. They are completely representing what's going on in their midst. And so for social media, I know you talk a lot about this Xenia, but it's really important for reflectors to curate the environment that they they consume in social media because what they consume is what they will become and whether that means that they take a lot of time away from social media to um, re reestablish themselves in their own energy and reestablish the status quo before going back but what they will what they want to be, what they want to share, is going to be a product of what they consume. And so kind of curating that in a very, very specific way will be important for reflectors when they think about what they want to put on social media.
1: It's so interesting that you know the webinar we're leading together, what we're doing is we're taking the human design system and the conscious social media method that I've been teaching for years now. And we're sort of overlapping it and seeing, okay, these are the properties of this energy type. What are some conscious social media method strategies, steps, energetic practices that apply specifically to this energy type to really help you bring out your, your DNA and who you naturally are? So for you know, reflectors, that exercise is remembering that whatever we consume impacts our subconscious. I always talk about it in the energetic principles of conscious social media. And it applies to everyone, but it applies more so to specific types. And at the same time, Nikki, like you said, I think it's so important to keep an open mind and see, okay, this um, is not about my type, but it really resonates in this time in my life. So I'm going to try it out. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's part of that big experiment
0: because you know, curating your social media is not only for reflectors, but that could be for other parts of your chart that could come in, in your profile that could come in your authority that could come in all different places. And so these strategies that we've sort of cultivated can be relevant for all of all of the types. It's just kind of a great place to start by saying, okay, this is where my natural inclination, my natural energy is. And I think that a big strategy that we haven't talked about is also, you know, when you're hiring someone else, maybe you're hiring someone to manage the social media of your brand. And what do you want that person to look like? And what do you want their energy to be so that they can sort of put your agenda and put your voice out in a way that you're not capable of energetically?
1: What would be an energy type combo for
0: that? So it's funny because some people will say like, I'm a generator, what's the best person to marry? And I'm a big believer that Anybody can work or love or be with anybody else as long as we sort of honor the natural style of each other. But I do find that a manifester and a manifesting generator combo is really cool. (laughs) And I know this from my own personal experience as a manifester, but what works really well for us, Xenia is sort of, we initiate, we have these ideas, we inform, and then we have someone to go carry them out. And in, in a lot of different ways that maybe we don't, we don't have the power to do. And so they can match our energy in our burst times and then they can carry out our agendas when we need to go rest. I found that that's really effective. I think that projectors do really well as mentor figures for the people who they manage. And so they really want to be looking for people who, who want to learn from them right? So that that's a really extra perk of the job. But there's, you know, every combination is sacred. It's just that some of them, you know, are a little more obvious
1: than others. And when you're talking about the combo of manifestor and manifest and generator, what you're referencing is our life partners. We're both in the same combo. Yeah. And I find that it works so well, because I focus on the vision. And I have the container that I created throughout my life where I have the connections, I have the systems, I have the structure. And Eric just kind of pushes it forward and makes things happen. You know, it's really interesting to lay human design on top of it. It really gave me a brand new understanding of how our renovation was able to happen because Mm -hmm. he really, he would stay up and watch tiling videos on YouTube. And then he would wake (laughs) up and like, we're doing the tiling job. And I'm like, okay, fine. I know. And it's,
0: it's brilliant in that way. And what's interesting also is that our lived experience comes into play a lot there. So for me and my husband, I'm able to because I understand him as a manifesting generator, I'm able to reframe a lot of the conversation of when he was young that people said, "Oh my god, you're too much. Oh my god, you need to sit down. You have too much energy. You're all over the place. You're ADHD. You need to finish what you started."
1: We're married you, to the same person.
0: Yeah, I think we, they also both went to NYU. I feel like they might know each other. We have to talk about this offline. But, you know, and able to reframe that as an asset to me, right? As an asset to as a manifester and saying like, "I'm going to keep up with you when I'm in burst, and I'm going to let you carry on the project or the thing or whatever we're doing." when I'm not in burst, And for a long time, it actually plagued our relationships before we understood this. um, He would be like, you know, sometimes you love to keep up with me. And sometimes you can't keep up with me. And I don't understand. And it made me personally feel like I was a person who wasn't very fun.
1: And what I realized was I was just in phases of where I needed rest. That's fascinating. So what else is there to share about human design that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, it's infinite. It really is an infinite practice.
0: There's so much, but what I will say, if you're f- first initially starting to consume it, I think it's just, it's really good to work with someone, whether that is a buddy that you kind of take on or you work with a coach, because it's really tough to get in. We'll We'll get inside our heads about the kind of specificity of things. And if we don't have someone there to help us reframe it in terms of our lives, we might believe that we're wrong for it, right? We might hear something about our specific profile and be like, oh, either that doesn't resonate or that does resonate, but it's something I've always thought was bad and we wouldn't celebrate it. And when you have a partner in crime or you have someone as a coach to help you reframe those things, you're able to really take
1: circumstances and make actual changes in your day-to-day life. So you know what are the ways that people can keep coming back to human design? Because I know for myself, Whenever I re-dive into this world, I discover something so potent and so important in the moment that really helps shape the direction that I'm going in. What's a good way for people to have it as an ongoing practice? How can they interact with this system? Yeah. One of the great things is that we have something
0: called a not self theme. So a not self theme is like a signpost that uh, is different for every energy type. And we also have them for the nine centers. And so if you take anything away sometimes, it's that you take away the, what your not self theme is. And for manifestors, for you and I, that's anger for manifesting generators and generators. That's frustration for projectors. It's bitterness and for reflectors it's a disappointment. And so if you're not diving into human design every day, that's fine. But if you honor that you are feeling these feelings and use that as a signpost to say, whoa, am I in my energy? Am I in the right environment? How can I come back to myself?
1: That's a beautiful everyday practice to be in. How can I come back to myself? Because when you say anger, I definitely resonate with it. When things as a manifestor, I don't know if this is a entirely a manifestor thing you tell me, But I see a vision and I want it done right away. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I have trouble taking on things that will take weeks or months to accomplish. So, you know, what I'm realizing now, it's important for me to set many in between goals that will give me that sense of accomplishment and moving forward. But still, you know, I get angry if things don't get done right away. So how should I work with that? So I think
0: as a manifester, it's really important to combine, right? your are not self theme of anger with your strategy of informing. So when you find yourself angry, you sort of get curious and you say, whoa, 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 what's happening here? Where did I stop? Where did I not inform? Where was I? Where did I make a decision that wasn't in my authority? Where did, you know, and you kind of backtrack it and you timeline it and you say, oh yeah, I wanted it down done now. But when I gave the scope of this project to my assistant, I forgot to tell them that it was a pretty immediate thing. And this is why. And that's why, you know, when you gave them the idea and you were so excited and you expected them to know that because of your excitement, you wanted it done right away. And they said, oh, you know, and after a week, they were like, it's going to be another week. And then you're furious, right? You are not just angry or furious. And then you realize, oh, wow, did I really inform in that circumstance? And that's sort of something that I've that's come up a lot for me personally, even in, for me, anger manifests itself as tears. It doesn't manifest itself as like having a temper tantrum or stomping around. I'm just immediately go to crying. And so growing up, I was always like, oh, you're overly sensitive. You're this or that. My husband will always say like, you can't just cry in every argument because then I'm just gonna feel bad for you. So what I've done is I've said, like, I'm, I literally in arguments, I will now say, I am not crying because I'm sad or that you've upset me. I'm crying because I am angry, right? So I'm taking that informing of the manifester and I'm taking what I know is my not self theme and something that something has gone wrong. And I'm sort of using that to guide the conversation and to guide my experience in a way that's more aligned with my energy and not in a way that actually is totally tormenting my energy or or because of my lived experiences, making me feel bad about the way that my energy is
1: pulsing through my veins. It's so interesting. So communication and informing is really yeah. the key. Really big for manifestors, which is tough because the, the funny
0: thing about human design is that we realize and we remember that we are all these giant contradictions, right? We're just all these living, breathing contradictions of ourselves. And so the funny contradiction there is that Manifestors tend to be like lone wolf style. They tend to want to do a lot of things alone. And so the anger comes out a lot because we're like, I can't believe I have to ask for help here. We work alone in those bursts and then we have to go rest. And the rest is really hard because we want everything done in a very specific way. And the outsourcing is really hard because we sometimes are resentful that other people can carry on
1: this vision that we're not really energetically supposed to be carrying out. That's so fascinating. So the reason I am extremely excited about us collaborating in human design and conscious social media method is because I've taught the conscious social media program several times now to live groups. And what I'm really interested in, I know that the principles, they make a difference, but they only make a difference when people implement them. Yes. What I think human design has the key to is for people to be able to see through All the tools and all the possibilities, and see what applies to them, what is not important right now, and what is essential right now for them to move forward with their online presence and as a result in their business. So, you know, this workshop we're leading together will be the first step, and we have the structure ready to go. We have some really exciting materials. We've already spent some time overlapping human design and conscious social media method, and there's some really potent, interesting stuff, but we're also leaving lots of room for experimentation and seeing what questions come up and what else comes out in the space we're co-creating. And then the possibilities are endless. So if this speaks to you, stay tuned because there might be more things for each specific energy type. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm stoked. Nikki, before we start wrapping up, is there anything else that you feel called to share? I I just feel called to share that... Human design is a celebration of our unique beings.
0: And what happens sometimes on social media is we see something that other people are doing and we emulate. And I want to offer the challenge to say, how can you show up, whether that's on social media or in your real life, as a full expression of your unique being? And if you don't know who that unique being is, or if you need help, how can you dive into this practice? And, and get help to really embody the person, the unique one out of seven and a half billion person that you're meant to
1: be. Beautiful. So for those who want to connect further specifically with human design, where should they connect with you, Nikki? I'm spending time a lot of time on Instagram, although
0: I'm, I'm taking a little week off. But you can find me at Nikki Braffman or
1: at human design for business
0: or www.nikkibrafman.com.
1: Awesome. And all of these things will be in the show notes. So will be the link to the workshop. If you missed the live version, no worries. There will be a recording. So super stoked for this, Nikki. Have an awesome week. And I'll be seeing you soon on our workshop. Amazing. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on wokenwired.com and also join the Woke and Wired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded. And say hello on Instagram. Find me at wokeandwired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.